0: Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange tech diversity podcast. Today, I'm joined by a great panel to discuss the topic of conflicts within diverse teams. It's a topic that I know a lot of people are interested in, especially leaders who are passionate about having teams with diversity, but also concerned about the conflicts that this may bring with it. I'm really excited for this talk. It's set to be a really, really interesting one. But before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions to the panel. So I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also what you are passionate about. And Andreas will come to you first.
1: Hello, very nice to join this podcast. Um, So uh, yes, so I, uh, so my name is Andreas Persson and I um, have been in the tech industry for the past 15 years uh, working with, especially around the talent acquisition and talent management. I've uh, been working, uh, yeah, more or less the most time uh, more internationally with uh, companies such as uh, Google and LinkedIn and then uh, uh, for many years was a part of building Netlite Consulting uh, before I found, started my own business uh, with Talent Bridge and actually right now building my, my second company together with a partner, so, uh, which is called, the company is called Tagro. Yeah, so uh, there are quite some exciting times and uh, besides this my I mean my I have as you can hear a passion for tech and passion for recruitment but besides that I also have a very big passion for uh, music and uh, after this hour I'm actually gonna jump into um, into a concert doing a jazz concert with a band so uh, yeah that's my passion (laughs)
0: nice no I think you're definitely set for an exciting evening ahead and it's a Thursday which is nice <laughs> <laughs> perfect um we will come to you
2: uh, yeah thanks for having me uh really looking forward to the conversations today my name is Yassal sandman uh, I've been working as a team coach and organization coach for quite a few years now um also have a tech background to begin with uh, but I don't think you would trust me to write uh, production tech code anymore, uh, so <laughs> I'll just keep doing what I do. And I, I, I would say that my passion is really um, uh, helping people work better together. So I, I really, really enjoy working with people and uh, really finding ways to make make working together easier because it's it, it, when it works well, it's it's so much fun for everybody involved. Um, so it's really the thing that, that makes me happy to see.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Yassal, That's that's amazing. Um, and last but not least, Isla Hull will come over to you for your introduction.
3: Yep. Uh, hi. So I'm Isla Hull, and I work at Mavenoid as a as a team lead responsible for a team that is working on end user and agent experiences. So we are a customer support automation platform, and I joined them as like the second employee uh in in Stockholm so and this is pretty much my entire life like it's been early stage startups and and so on originally I'm from India so a really small town and then I moved into Mumbai and like worked for a few hyper growth startups and also I co-founded a data analytics startup in Dubai and then I moved to Stockholm and in terms of passion I'm I'm as everybody else on this panel i'm really excited about uh, tech and also startups and more specifically i guess once you know when, when you when you meet a founder with like a, a a vision that they have but you it takes you a long time to actually realize like what is the need that is out there that they are trying to solve and like once you fo- once i fully absorb it like that I, I cannot stop thinking about it. It's just like it occupies all my life. Uh, and yeah, apart from that, like in the organization itself, like I try to make people more data informed to to make better decisions, more impact driven decisions and so on.
0: Nice, thank you Islil. I think it's, um, yeah, nice that we've all got kind of similar interests and similar passions So, yeah, now that we've got a little bit of a context to who everyone is, let's just move deep into the topic in focus, um, which, like I said, is conflicts within diverse teams. Now, before this podcast, we all decided on a number of questions or subtopics um, that you each wanted to talk around around this subject um, so what we'll do now is just kind of work our way around the room i'll ask you a little bit more about your question or your subtopic um, and then yeah if we get a little bit more context to the question and then open it up to the rest of the participants um, so yourself will come to you first and you wanted to talk about how to support diverse teams once you've hired more diversely
2: yeah, so uh, my question came out of the fact that uh, the topic was conflicts uh, within diverse teams. And I just wonder, maybe we don't have to have conflicts within diverse teams that, just, that are because they're diverse teams. So uh, I, I feel like uh, a lot of times uh, we're hiring diversely, but maybe it's a goal that the company has. Maybe it's something that's been set uh, on a leadership level or an HR level. And uh, we try to meet certain quotas, do certain things without thinking about what does that actually mean? Uh, if we hire diversely, especially the first few people who you hire who might be different from uh, who you're working on with. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, what is it if if we can sort of shift that conversation and say, you know, instead of assuming that we might have conflicts on diverse teams and how it could work, well, what, what can we do uh, when we bring in people uh, who have diverse backgrounds, uh, different ways of thinking uh, so that we can actually make the best of that? We, we all know that we really do want to have different perspectives, for. Sort solving certain kinds of problems it is a really benefit for us so creating that kind of environment
0: yeah do you have anything to add Andreas or a level on that
3: uh I can I can go actually I mean it's it's kind of interesting because I have quite a quite a different stance on on the overall uh conflicts but like uh, to your point, uh, I do see uh, I do see people not being intentional about this. Um, Cause if you, for example, like, uh, and I would like to point out that these are my personal thoughts. Like I'm not trying to represent my company entirely. But uh, so if you if you hire diverse people, uh, you you often do that with apart from you know the intention of like actually making the team more diverse if you are in a large company but if you are really small and you you start out uh, that way you are looking for people who who think differently from you who who just uh, have different spikes that you 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 want in your company you want to grow faster in those different directions where you can't do that by yourself uh, there, there it's it's not just about bringing them in and helping them but it's also about like uh, giving them the goals that align with with their different set of skills like giving driving them towards a certain direction that that uh, you want them to go and this is where like i feel like uh, addressing it directly is much more important than trying to you know step back and like avoid um, uh, and be happy that you just have more diversity in your in your team
2: Uh, yeah i would have to say that I, I i really agree with that too and and think that that is the kind of way that we should be thinking about it if wh- how do we how do we create a multiplier from having diversity uh, so uh, what are the things that we should think about because if you just sort of put people together and without creating some of this uh, scaffolding uh, i think is is basically what you were describing is little, right like you know maybe setting uh, uh, goals that are uh, aligned with what it is that the people's strengths are and if you otherwise just Uh, put a whole bunch of people in there who might have uh, very different strengths and very different ways of seeing things, Uh, you might not really get to the result that you'd like to see. You might end up creating a lot of friction uh, between the different people who are working together instead of actually focusing on uh, what it is that we would like to accomplish together, and how can we best make use of all of our skills, how great it is that we've got um, three different people on the team who each have a different uh, new perspective, different way of looking at it, different way of problem-solving, how can we make the best uh, out of that? So creating uh, an environment for it, and I would uh, definitely agree with uh, approaching that directly as well and not just hoping uh, that, oh, everything's going to work out. Uh, but I was just wondering, uh, Andreas, if you, uh, what thoughts you had on it?
1: Yeah, I, I really love, the, by the way, the topic that you address here. And uh, one perspective I see is also the, the importance of actually really making time for discussing those uh, matters and discussing like how do we want to collaborate in this team and how how should we yeah shape shape our way forward together. And uh, I mean independent on how diverse or, or not diverse a team is, you need to really like set time off for for uh, if, yeah, for discussing those kind of topics uh, because I see I see it's very easy to, run really fast with uh, the, the like task oriented kind of uh, way of, uh, of running a, a business and, uh, and setting very little time up to, to talk around like how do you want to collaborate together. And often, as I also see, is that often you don't need maybe to put a lot of time to discuss this, but you need to put time and you need to put time continuously around this. Uh, and having having a plan for that, like across the organization with all teams, that all teams actually discuss those matters uh, continuously. So that's a, if I want to, yeah, if I add something to it. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah, nice. Have either of or all, all three of you got um, any kind of strategies or examples or anything that you've done previously? That, that kind of address that kind of addressing it head on and having these conversations, any kind of successes, I suppose, with dealing with those situations?
3: I can take this on. Uh, so uh, in terms of addressing it directly, so it, it starts from the moment you hire people, right? Like you need, uh, oftentimes, you know, it's not just a decision of like three people saying yes. Uh, it's often nice to have a champion. Like it's nice to have somebody who really believes in a person when they are hired, and then like once once you bring them on, they really uh, they push this person to do better and and so on. And so that's the first step. Like you create this internal support even before they 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 join the company, and uh, once they do join the company, it's I feel like there is a lot more importance. Uh, in, in creating what their success looks like. Uh, and this is quite hard as a manager. Like when you hire diverse teams, like even the person that you are hiring, even if you are managing them, they are different from you. So it is actually a hard problem to think of like what them being successful looks like. And it oftentimes, you know, you, you need to put yourself aside and what your needs are that this person is going to fulfill uh, while actually thinking, uh, about like how how this person's skills being put to success looks like for the organization and then you can uh, bring goals into the picture and and establish more concrete stuff for the near future i wouldn't say like make a five year plan uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan as you can imagine uh, but it's it's a it's all about being very intentional in the early stages and and then you get to you know, once somebody starts working with you, like it's a completely different game. Like you you get to know them, you get to know maybe your assumptions are wrong and so on. So you need to adapt quite a bit. Uh, But I would say like when you start earlier, it's, it's much better.
2: Um, yeah, I, I plus one uh, on that. I uh, really strongly I, I agree with making sure that, you know, the, the process doesn't start at the day that they walk through the door, but the day that you've taken contact with them. Uh, and then once they're there, I, I, I just want to maybe add uh, something that I, I I do when I work with my teams, which I think you can do even if your team isn't diverse, but it, it's really trying to help people get an understanding for how we see things differently. Um, so it might have to do with how what my value system looks like, you know, Maybe Uh, I'm the kind of person who really values being able to work independently, uh, try to figure out a problem by myself and then come back to you and have discussions about it later on, whereas somebody else might really value like, you know, talking it out at the very beginning and uh, trying to work together on it and see what happens before they go off and do something different. And so like having that kind of conversation, uh, how do we like to work? What is it? What does it look like? Uh, What are the things uh, that I would like to get uh, from my team members and what are the things that they would like to get from me? Uh, And I think um, uh, also uh, to add to that intentionality about it, it really has to do to with the team being intentionally flexible as well. You really do have to give and take uh, on a team and anytime that you're working with it. And especially when we have different ways of looking at things and different needs for what could work well with us. So um, yeah, I really like a, a lot of different, working a lot with teams around those kinds of conversations as well. Um, and maybe I would also then uh, weave in the, what Andrea said, that it's not something that you have to do, like you don't have to like take everybody out for like a three day uh, offsite to have these conversations, but maybe they are kinds of conversations that you can take up uh, every once in a while, talk about them as you're working through things, uh, as you're getting to know each other. So it doesn't have to be a real forced uh, conversation, but uh, instead rather a part of how we work, especially every time we bring in somebody new to the team, getting to know them.
1: And um, yeah, I can also add uh, on this that, uh, I mean, this, uh, those kind of conversations, or actually uh, bringing on, bringing in all, all the, like, the teammates' uh, perspectives on things, you can, you can, like, one trick that I, we, we do uh, usually uh, use a lot in, in workshops is that we uh, set some some timing for instance on two minutes or three minutes where we go around the table let's say we're five people or seven people it's very common that one or two people like talks most of the time so like doing things like this I mean there which gets everyone to actually yeah say the words and and on during those two or three minutes no one can interrupt so that's like that's very important and, uh, and uh, so that, I would say, could be one way to, to really, uh, yeah, get everyone's perspective independent on if, how extrovert or how, like introvert or, yeah, you are. And uh, yeah, so just a tip uh, <laughs> related to this, which you can oh. use in any kind of workshop, not only discussing how do you want to collaborate, but actually any topic.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good, it seems so kind of obvious, but yeah, it makes sense. Like, let's not interrupt someone. Let's let these people talk and and get it out there. Um, No, I love that. Okay, nice. I think that was a really good, good kind of question to bring to the table. There's loads of ideas there. Um, And now Islahul will come to you. So there was a few things you wanted to cover, um, kind of healthy conflicts, conflict resolution, when you're in a remote first setup, and then also kind of company culture and versus cultural diversity. So yeah, tell us about all your ideas around these
3: yeah i think we can start one at a time but like it's it's kind of uh, nice that you know we started off with like how do we how do we try to uh, have structures where you don't have that many conflicts but actually i come from an another extreme point of view where uh, i actually see conflicts as as a sign that the organization is functioning well so it means that to me that's an indicator of like people caring having more ownership having more spikiness, like people who, who are really strong at different aspects and so on. Uh, so like, again, as, as people, like you see a conflict, you know, your first reaction is like, ah, oh, this is like, you know, I don't want this, like this is uncomfortable. But uh, I think if you shift that default, uh, thinking that uh, this conflict is maybe something constructive and always look at that as the first step, um, then you can actually identify what are the problems you are trying to solve um, and in a startup you are you are against you know extension basically like that's your first first anyway uh, but uh, you you need to actually embrace those hard pro- hard problems you need to actually debate different points of view to get to the right solution and when you do that you you also have you bring in individuals who have very strong uh, uh, point of views in such a in such an early stage team um, so then it's a lot more about balancing this uh, conflicts as trying to resolve it towards the right thing to do rather than who turned out to be right in in that situation and i think that's a distinction that you as a person who is leading that team or who is leading that particular uh, project or let's say you know even a small discussion need to keep in mind. Like whenever you need to keep in mind this balance of like let's move towards what's the right solution. Uh, rather than uh, different let's say bragging rights out of the out of the meeting. Uh, what what do you guys think about this?
2: Uh, yeah, I I really like um, the the way that you talk about it. Right, if you have a team that doesn't have any conflicts at all, you probably have an apathetical team. They just don't care, <laughs> if if they don't have any disagreements. Uh, and I really like. Uh, the, um, there's a, a really nice little visualization that went out about like you know what kinds of conflicts it is that you would like to have in a workplace and um, it's split it up into task conflicts versus relation relationship conflicts and a task conflict is when it's you and me versus the problem that we're having uh, so we can take a look externally at what it is whereas a relationship conflict is you versus me uh, and I think that uh, if we really have uh, task conflicts then that is where we want to be right like we want to be able to have a differing opinion opinions about how we might solve it, uh, what might be the right way to do it, the best way to do it. And you really don't want to ever devolve into, uh, well, you know, you're this kind of person or (laughs) you're difficult or impossible to work with. So uh, when I take a look at teams and I see zero conflict, I would agree, I would really, I would worry. (laughs) I would think that, you know, why not? (laughs) Where where are all the solutions coming from? Uh, At the same time, I really don't necessarily go into a team and want to see a whole bunch of relationship conflict um, because that means we're not getting anything done. We're seeing each other, not as other people uh, who we can work with. We're seeing each other as problems who we need to somehow work around, manage or solve. Uh, So, yeah, I really liked your take on it. I
1: can also add to this uh, very, very interesting, uh, interesting to talk about conflict as something uh, positive Uh, for me, like uh, I have a connotation of the word as something that I'm a bit afraid of. Uh, but I think I mean uh, I, I really uh, yeah it's, uh, it's interesting um, and I, I am also with this uh, thinking like when when is it the conflict and when is it just like having different opinions but it's not the conflict or is it the same could it be the same thing uh, and um, so, so I, with that like having different opinions and sharing different perspectives is something that I see extremely important and uh, and valuable, uh, then when to define it, the conflict or not, that's a, that's a good uh, good question. Uh, I can also add, uh, like, as a small uh, parenthesis to to this, but, like, I would really recommend a book called Difficult Conversations. I don't know if you read it to one of you here, but I can so recommend it, uh, Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone, Sheila she- Heen, and Bruce Patton. Uh, it is uh, brings up very many uh, good perspectives on on this topic. I would say, I mean, how we we see, we have our own world, and and then it's so hard to understand the other person's world and seeing those other perspectives. And uh, but just actually by reading this book, it highlights a lot of things that maybe gets you a little bit closer to to that. Yeah.
3: Thanks for the thanks for the recommendation. That sounds like a great book. Uh, yeah, and uh, on on that, uh, I also wanted to uh, add something, and uh, I want to know what you guys think of this. Like, so when when these conflicts, when these healthy conflicts do arise, you still need to navigate them, right? And uh, you, when you are in this situation, like for example, in engineering, this is very common to have, you know, this. Complex problem of like quality versus cost versus uh, velocity. So you can't have all three at once. You can maybe have two. Usually you just get one, uh, and and then you have different people in the team who care differently about about these angles. And then you you go into a decision. And as as a leader, you know, like as as you pointed earlier, like it's the further into leadership you go, like the further away from the real code. You you get uh, and and it's uh, at the end those people are more informed than you. So how do you navigate those kind of uh, situations? Uh, happy to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Oh, I think decision making is such an interesting topic. And it's one where we uh, maybe make mistakes a lot of times. Like, I, I think you're right. Like, I need to be aware, for example, if I'm in a leadership position, that maybe I'm not the one who has the right information uh, to be able to make that decision. But I might be able to help my team by creating uh, the environment that could allow them to make that decision correctly. So I might go and talk to them if I, especially if it's in an area where I'm not uh, aware of it all, like, you know, well, what are the the factors that we should consider? Uh, I think sometimes, for example, when we talk about things like, you know, cost, velocity, um, quality, uh, it it becomes a very... un nuanced uh, conversation uh, of course quality is important of course I can't get like you know top quality plus everything else maybe at the same time but I might have leeway on what quality is and, and where I can go so what part of quality is important in this and how does that measure to when it needs to be done and how it should be there so like I would really try to try to actually make the conversation a little bit more nuanced or clarify a little bit more what the things are that we're trying to talk about and help uh, with input and help from the team because I'm not the one who's going to be able to say, you know, here are the things that we should consider in this if I'm not the one who's the most technically savvy in the room. Um, and then uh, maybe open it up uh, for a discussion that way, but also potentially also clarify how we're gonna make the decision. Are we collectively going to do it? Is this something where we're gonna like, you know, democratically vote and we're gonna take a majority? Do we have to be um, all on board uh, and uh, really agree? Are we in agreement on how we're gonna agree? It, it's, for some people it might be just, okay, well, we know we were in a meeting and um, I still have my opinion, so I'm just gonna go off and <laughs> do what I want, which could then create conflict. Um, So, uh, I I don't know, I I feel like as my role as a coach, oftentimes I'm really there as a facilitator to help with the process of having the conversation as opposed to the content of it. So, how can I create that clarity for the team to be able to make that decision? So, who should be involved in the decision? What are the factors that we should consider for the decision? Uh, Where do we want to uh, go with uh, w- w- with that decision. And, uh, do we have a Do we have a timeline? Uh, is this decision a reversible decision? So can we make a mistake and be okay with it, uh, or can we do parallel uh, experiments to see, uh, try out different ways? So really trying to at least open up some possibilities. So it's never just it's either or, but it's maybe um, either and.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was also thinking of um, when I heard your your uh, presentation of this topic that uh, I, I'm reading a book uh, by uh, Bjorn Nattico uh, which is called uh, "You Cannot kind of Feel." I can I might be wrong, basically, and uh, I think that's uh, he talks about that as a like a, as a mantra, uh, and I started really <laughs> massaging that sentence quite a lot in different topics. Uh, like I can. I can be wrong. Like I, I, and assume that I might be wrong on different topics. And if, like the, I mean, if you build a kind of a culture that where we, we, I mean, we have that mantra, and it's okay to be wrong as well. It's okay to miss some perspectives, but be curious to actually go get more perspectives and and uh, assume that you you might be wrong. Uh, I might be wrong. Uh, I think that's uh, something
3: to add, add to it. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was just thinking while yesterday you were trying to define like how to add new answer. I I remembered this anecdote of like how can you derail a tech discussion really quickly? You just need to ask how does it scale, without actually defining any any direction of like what that actually means. Like. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want, I can continue on to the next one. Um, so please, okay? okay, all right. Um, yeah, so on the on remote. So I, I do feel like remote is one of the best tools that you can actually use to increase diversity. Like let's say as an organization, that's your goal. I do think like it's one of the tools that people avoid quite a bit, but it's actually very powerful. And like uh, coming from, from India and like, you know, and even not just India, like everywhere in the world, like women do more of the housework. Like if you want more women in your company, you need to free up time for them. And remote is, again, a good way to to actually accommodate for for those situations. Um, and for like people who, again, from an Indian culture, like you take care of like your, your parents and your elderly and so on. Um, so you need time for that and and you need flexibility of that you w- you would want to travel back home and and so on so i do feel like with since especially uh, in in our company as well like since we went remote we have had so much uh, such an easy time adding more people to it and it's uh again there is uh, i guess this is kind of the interesting thing where i would like to hear your experiences as well uh Actually, being more remote reduced the conflicts, and it also reduced kind of the healthy conflicts uh, because people people did not just talk to each other as much. Um, so that is something that I personally actively try to try to work on. But happy to hear if if you guys have any ideas around around this.
2: I feel like I've been answering first the whole time. All right, yeah. I agree. I think it's a great equalizer when you're working remote first uh, in a different kind of way. So I've worked with a lot of uh, teams that have had uh, remote participants, but where some other ones have all been in in the same room and uh, of course you end up actually with a lot of interesting uh, miscommunications and conflicts because of situations like this when you've got three people who maybe are uh, distributed somewhere else and then you've got four people in a room, uh, you're really missing out on the conversation. So I would agree with you right like that by by putting us remote uh, that gets rid of a lot of the con- kinds of conflicts that we might have had because we weren't all on equal footing uh, beforehand. Um, but I also agree at uh, on certain teams. It's interesting, like I've noticed that teams that really team up and work as a team actually have taken really well to working remotely. It did just provide them with the freedom to be able to do stuff, to be able to, um, you know, attend a doctor's appointment or do something else, pick up a kid, um, walk a dog, whatever it is that they were doing, take care of something that they needed to. Um, Whereas teams that didn't really work as a team, I think that's where I notice a a massive decrease in both uh, collaboration and conflict Uh, but I I think and I just wonder right like how many times are we set up in a way we call the groups that we've got teams uh, but are they really teams and I, I think that's the kind of thing that really shows up a lot on remote work because otherwise you have to be able to talk about right like you know if we are Going to be flexible? What does that mean? Do I have to be available all the time or not? Uh, when would I be available? How can I say it? Uh, maybe we do our check ins asynchronously um, on Slack instead of having to have a stand up where everybody has to be there in the middle of, like, you know, maybe kids getting dropped off or uh, other work being done. Um, so, it, it, and I really see that on teams that were teams where people are committed to being flexible I, I go back to like you know what we talked about before that yes I, I'm willing to meet you halfway and um, here's what might work best for me and I hear what might work best for you and so can we find a middle ground uh, where we can do it together and when you've got a group of people who really feel like yeah together we will solve a problem and um, then I'm seeing a lot more of that and a lot less of that in teams that really weren't teams where you know I could just be doing my own thing uh, without any input from you really it might be better if you said something but I can muddle along.
1: Yeah, um, if I'm gonna add on this, I was thinking um, uh, one aspect I'm thinking is that like when you're actually seeing each other in person and uh, giving each other feedback, that can sometimes. I mean, I, I think that's it's very valuable to to meet in person and to to uh, sit together when uh, like if you're gonna solve something together if you have a different opinions on something and actually being there together in the room and and, and catching all the the five senses or like you to to being able to do that together that's uh, something powerful that like being 100% remote that takes something away and then I feel on the other hand that sometimes when you're going to resolve a conflict it can be also quite nice to be on the phone with that person like so not having all the five senses activated but actually being in the conversation and and listening to, to each other and trying to share each other's perspectives and th- find a way through that so I I, I see like really yeah different uh, different angles on that that uh, like constant, constant pros uh, and when it comes to like uh, what you mentioned, Yasal, with the, I mean, having some kind of uh, discussing work agreements, like how do we want to collaborate? How do we want to work together in a group? That's something actually, if I relate to like my, uh, a client that I'm working a lot with uh, since one and a half year now is the Bonnier News, the leading media house in the Nordic region. Uh, And we are uh, focusing a lot around uh, all, all aspects of diversity and inclusion, and uh, one thing that we did uh, was that we created a, um, like framework or work agreement for both like when being on site and being uh, in, in hybrid contexts and from like the actual technology and how to use it together, but also like how, how do we want to be together in the meeting how like making space for each other and so on so uh, having that on on paper and and distributing it and also actually making all teams uh do do workshops on this so we have this work agreement what does it mean to us in our team and maybe we tweak it a bit in our team because because of different factors but actually having some of those statements uh, on paper i think that's a really good good thing that uh, helped us
2: And I I wonder when you were saying that, Andreas. And I think back to your original question as well. Like, you know, did does working remote first first help us uh, create more diversity? And I think it does. And I think it it allows us to have more diversity in more ways than just like, you know, cultural diversity or gender diversity, right? Like it also allows for um, us to be more inclusive in certain ways. And I I think from your statement, Andreas, as well, right? Like, oh, you know, being at the office, meeting with all five senses, for some people, actually that kind of environment is really hard. Uh, So maybe uh, for me, it might be really good to be in the office and meet everybody face to face, but maybe for someone else, it might actually have been an even better positive to just be able to shut out some of the extra stuff and able to just focus on uh, the voice that I hear from the person that I'm talking to, that might actually help me bond and create a better relationship. And I think it's an interesting thing to think about as well uh, as we're working together and and how we consider diversity and and being able to create an environment for Um, people to work well within that so it it could also be of course part of part of conflicts I think given that we were a lot of people were forced into working from home the people who really do thrive better and being in an office situation might now push a lot more for coming back but you know that might come at a cost for the people who really have uh, been thriving uh, during the pandemic for example uh, working from home so it's really about also finding that common ground And, and I guess if if you have, if you are set up remote first, then at least you open up as well for uh, a lot of people to be able to work uh, more flexibly that way.
3: Yeah, that's an excellent point, and it's 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 really like uh, once. Oftentimes, like you have people who are loud in a room physically, who are also loud remotely. Uh, so it, it it often carries on to the to the different mode of communication. Uh, but one trick that I personally use is uh, to not be pe- put people on the spot in the meeting itself, but rather like if I because you. Again, it has it has to be a small team in order for it to work because I know who those uh, those team members are, what their strengths are, and so on. Uh, but if there is a thing that we are discussing that you I expect somebody to care about, and they remain silent during that meeting, I will just follow up after that meeting. That hey, what did you think about this? Do you think that this decision is right, and so on? Kind of like not. And, and this kind of slows down the velocity of making decisions. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, if that person is just having a bad day or like they just got some bad news and they got on this call, uh, they were kind of forced to attend it for for work reasons. Uh, you can often like make better decisions by just slowing down and trying to include all of these people that should have been uh, part of that decision to start with. Right. Uh, I guess uh, the last one. Uh, to be a bit quick. Uh, on this one. So, uh, there is. Uh, you know, th- there has been a lot of talk around around the world for like maybe twenty years or something around company culture and and how do how all startups you know want to have this amazing culture deck that they present to um, possible candidates and so on. And then you have you also want to be more diverse and oftentimes, like if you if you create cultural rules or rules as a as as culture then you start people start at, at an extreme uh, negative uh, consequence like people start using it as as weapons like they literally like try to discriminate against people saying that oh you you are not being kind it's a part of our culture like we don't do this like we we uh, can you be less harsh and um, Maybe what that person was trying to do was like they came from a culture where being direct is seen as a positive thing, and they were actually being kind by being being uh, direct in that uh, in that communication. Um, so oftentimes, like these things conflict between each other, uh, and it's not easy to realize that uh, because uh, almost every company's culture that you will read uh, will sound like a good thing. Uh, so yeah, interested to hear if how you have seen this go right or wrong uh, in your experiences.
1: Okay, so uh, I think it's an uh, yeah another interesting topic, and um, um I've seen, uh, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, how you you find the values to your company, well, how you define like company culture there are some if you have some some definitions I think could be really fit into the to like a cultural like diversity to like really go hand in hand in it so for me it really depends on what what is your company culture like if if a company culture uh, is really Highlighting that uh, we we want to be a place where we listen to each other, for instance, like uh, that that that's a value for us. I mean, that for for me, that's a value like depend independent on on uh, who you are. I think that's a a value that could like really uh, fit pretty well to uh, and and uh, like to to listen to each other's perspectives and so on. So so there are some like values that I think it, you just genuinely can fit any in any company. And if you can live by those values, I think that's, that's really amazing. But then of course, there are all, all those values that, that might uh, feel more like, okay, I need to be this person, like according to those values. And and I've seen values that I have not that I haven't feel so aligned with. And I, I'm not going to go into like details on them. But I, I really hear your i i know uh, what your i mean what kind of difficulties that could be with that and i uh, when when that doesn't align and uh so really thinking around what kind of values could be universal and uh, and uh, go with those kind of values i would say is one way mm.
2: Yeah, I think uh, part of the difficulty in it, though, too, is that uh, sometimes things that might feel universal might not actually be universal. Um, uh, this about maybe I'll give a book tip. Uh, it, it reduces the problem a little bit, but it's a nice uh, visualization of it. It's called uh, The Culture Map by Aaron Meyer, and it really shows on eight uh, different uh, perspectives, like where, where would... where my people, where my cultures uh, land on that. And so I think that, especially if you're talking about cultural diversity, actually things that might feel like, you know, everybody of course would want to have this. Well, maybe not everybody would. Uh, And so like, but just to answer your question, it's like I was working in um, a part of the organization where we got to build up a a, a product team from uh, five people. uh, And we grew to, I think about 55 uh, within a year and a half, like mimicking uh, a successful startups, on it, and our take really was we, we took a look at, you know, how, how had people built up teams around us? What, what had they done? And we said, you know, culture should evolve. I bring in a new person, especially a new person who's different than uh, the rest of us. We really wanted to be able to bring in diverse opinions. Why would we grow if it wasn't to get in somebody who uh, could help us out in an area that we were weak with? Well, let's take a look at uh, what the things are that we agree on how we work. Uh, What are the behaviors that we thought were valuable? Uh, Let's take those back out again. And let's ask this person what they see. Do you think that we actually have this kind of culture here to begin with? Like, are we living the things that we Say that we are, and then also, well, what are what is important to you? How can we evolve this now that we are no longer who we were? Because the what we set was was true for us when we were those five people. Okay, but now we're not. We're now we're this nine group of people. We're not the same thing that we were. And maybe some things that actually work really well when you're a lot smaller work less well uh, as you grow as well. Uh, or you might have to clarify. Well, what does that mean? To what extent? Um, especially things that uh, I think. Uh, in Sweden, uh, we value, but we're a little bit glib about. Like we talk about transparency. Yes, we we really value it. But and when you're a five people company, um, you, transparency means something different than when you're a fifty people company. Um, so what does that mean? Did we evolve that as we went along, or are we still expecting us to be what we were when we were five? So yeah, I think it's a an interesting question with a lot of ways of looking at it. But to me, I, I think the healthiest cultures or company cultures are the one that evolve. As we bring more people
3: in. Yeah, really love that perspective, and that's also kind of my trick of of judging a company culture is like how small is it actually written down, because uh, that, that allows you like future flexibility. And what what are the what what are the more interesting things to to say rather than let's say you know values, uh, because like values become kind of this harsh uh, thing that you either abide by or go against. Uh, but yeah, just just uh, in 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 the taking a reference from the same book that you mentioned, it's like having a having a loose culture first feels like it's it's a bit more adaptable uh, towards diversity than, than having a tight
0: culture first. Nice thank you I think that's a really really interesting topic Um, I do a lot of diversity topics and podcasts and company culture always always comes into play Um, so there's some really good ideas that we've discussed there. Okay finally Andreas will come to you for your kind of question which was our subtopic let's say which was more on the thoughts of leadership and coaching and the art of listening so yeah I'm excited to hear this.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. So, so I wanted to share some. Um, yeah. I mean, the the past uh, like twelve, fifteen years, I've been working a lot with leadership in different uh, variations and uh, and coaching, coaching a lot of people along the along the way. And just wanted to. Um, and also, when it comes to to diversity, of course, uh, wanted to share some uh, some. some some key aspects, as I see, uh, has been important for me, and things that I, I feel have, have worked for me along the the years, and uh, and of course very uh, I'm curious to hear your perspectives on this. So I want to to mention a few, and one that I feel much for is that uh the the aspect of like leading with good intentions like believing in good intentions from your surrounding from the one you coach uh i mean we we have we always have like different perspectives and and different reasons why we do what we do but we often have a common goal so uh it's just that we act different and we have different ways to get to that uh, to that goal and and it's of course, as we talked about before, it uh, might often lead to conflicts, uh, and and of course that's okay, as we also talked about. But like having the the mantra or uh, or, or perspective of uh, of like this is probably a good intention. That somehow, even if we have a complete opposite way of seeing this this thing, it somehow eases up the. The, the conversation. Um, so, so I think that is that is one. Uh, one is definitely don't talk too much, <laughs> rather listen. Um, so, I mean, to, to really reach through to someone, to engage someone, you need to listen first. Um, then another very important I see is uh, which Brené Brown, one of a very big inspiration for me uh, she talks a lot around vulnerability uh, and that we could dig into for hours uh, but uh, but it's um yeah i mean opening up to each other and being human uh being true to yourself and to to the other person and uh, and like lead through that um i think that's a very very key for me um and then um, Trying to be genuinely curious with the person you have in front of you. Um, this is something that I, I always uh, try to have as a mantra, independent if it's when I'm leading, like when I'm mentoring someone, i coaching someone, or also, I, I mean, I, I told you from the beginning, I've been 15 years in recruitment, I've interviewed thousands of people, and independent on how far from a match this is to to the actual uh, position or if you you will never employ this person but every person has someone something to teach you and we can yeah we can we can learn something from each other and independent on how different we are from each other and how strange this conversation was being curious and genuinely try to listen and try to dig into under the surface and being genuinely curious about that i think that takes you takes you far yeah and then uh, one more so be generous uh as much as possible be generous open be open to share your best tips and tricks around uh, everything from leadership to uh, around the topics that you collaborate around uh, i mean for instance if you if you're coaching someone if you uh Leading someone like be really generous with like your thoughts around leadership, your thoughts around coaching, and and try to like help that person to grow in their own leadership. So so those are some some foundations that I was thinking. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this.
3: Great. Uh- i guess uh, with a recency bias i can i can tag along on the being generous part uh, this is probably one of the the most useful advice uh, that i got from a from a manager was uh, to be useful so even if you are if you are a leader you need to and and you want you are working with somebody the best way of being generous to that person is not just like to to guide them or to to correct them or to give them feedback, but it's just like being practically useful to them. Uh, what are the things that they need uh, to, in order to be successful and to to actually do those things, uh, rather than just give them instructions on how they can do it better or, and so on. Um, so I find that as a and it's it's actually like. It has personally been one of the hardest problems. Like every time I, I ask myself this question, like am I being useful to this person, and it's actually quite hard. And if if you if even like while answering that, it's quite a hard thing to to keep uh, doing because it's uh, yeah it's it's actually it takes physical effort to to get that done right.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked your list, uh, but my, my personal favorite is always uh, being curious. Uh, uh, you don't know what the other person is thinking, what they've been through, what their experiences are like. Uh, and so if I always keep an open mind uh, and that's really like what you would want to do, you know, like uh, they're probably doing something for a reason. And I just don't see that reason. It's just not part of how I understand it. Uh, and I think that really helps as well with the first tense that you mentioned, which is like, you know, assume good intent. Uh, because sometimes uh, we might feel uh, we might end up in a conflict because we might feel like wait I, I had good intent and now you're assuming that I don't have good intent but if I keep myself curious and I don't think that you know uh, they've made some kind of assumption about me that's negative we might not end up in that conflict we might actually instead be able to have conversations about it oh wait what is it that you're seeing here uh, what did I miss uh, especially when we're talking about diverse teams and p- places where you have um, minority representation, That's, you know, like maybe there's just one or two people uh, from a certain ethnic background, for example, in your group, and they might be going through stresses that the rest of uh, the team doesn't know about and doesn't see. Uh, And so like it's it it might not just like, you know, just having that curious stance might really help and keep us open to being able to understand how somebody else might react to something that would be different um, than how we're reacting.
3: And also on on that note, it's also, and this is something that I often found in Sweden as as a personal experience. As I as I moved in here uh, now, it's almost five years ago, uh, but I I found people very understanding in the way that yeah I'm from India and like they they knew a bunch of stuff about India and so on. Um, but I did run into people who kind of tried to generalize my behavior towards being Indian. And that's kind of an easy mistake to make, right? Like you have worked with three other Indians before, this fourth other person comes in, the way they behave is like the first thing you think of, like, oh, it's because they are Indian, or it's, uh, I need to behave with them in a certain way because uh, they are Indian in order to be uh, nice. Uh, And this is, this. Again, this actually comes from good intentions. So this comes from you being careful about their backgrounds and so on. Uh, but when you are in in a high-performance environment, you you actually need to get through that through the, through to that person. So you really want to know them as an individual uh, before you try to put correlate their background with them. And always try to and an easy trick to do that is to how are how is this person like not confining to my like just find that one anecdote that you feel that doesn't uh, match with what you what structures you have known or what uh, presumptions you have and that often like drives you to know more about that about that person as an individual
0: Nice. Well, thank you all. I think that was um, a really nice kind of final topic to end it on. Um, I think just as a listener kind of sitting here, there were some really key things throughout that whole conversation. Um, I really like the kind of ideas of healthy conflicts or do we even need to have conflicts rather than solutions, as well as the company culture stuff. And then, yeah, the advice then at the end for kind of leaders with good intentions, generous be curious um perfect way to wrap it up Um uh, does anybody have anything else to add before we finish before we end this perfect okay well this has been the evolution exchange podcast i want to take this opportunity to thank andreas isla hull and Yassal for providing the insights and into this topic and of course thank you for t- thank you to the listeners for listening